welcome to the Full Capacity Living Podcast. So this podcast is primarily about functional medicine and integrative medicine. Most know what we mean by integrative medicine and that the contrast around conventional medicine is one of using more of a holistic approach to treatment of any health issue, including lifestyle change. But the term functional medicine is a bit more new in the field of medicine by conventional medicine standards. Coined in 1990 by Dr. Jeff Bland, a very well understood definition of functional medicine could be considered root cause medicine. Functional medicine is a systems biology based approach that focuses on identifying and addressing the root cause of disease. And by systems biology, we mean looking at the body as a whole, not pieces and parts. So functional medicine clinics take the holistic approach to understanding who you are, knowing that every person is unique and should have a medical plan that's custom fit for their needs. Makes sense, right? Now, I have heard the question, are functional medicine doctors real doctors? Yes, many of them are MDs or DOs. There are functional medicine practitioners or providers that are not MDs or DOs, that are chiropractors or nurse practitioners. And, you know, if you're looking for a functional medicine person to work with, Just look at their history and figure out what it is that you need particularly for yourself. Functional medicine really looks at the body as a whole. It's focused on root cause of disease rather than an isolated set of symptoms. And it's definitely based on evidence that lifestyle factors such as nutrition, sleep, exercise, stress levels, relationships, and genetics are major contributors to chronic disease. And just so you understand what the role of a qualified board certified health coach is, let's unpack that as well. A health coach practicing the true fundamentals of health coaching meets you where you are in your healthy lifestyle journey and walks with you to achieve your goals. Just as functional medicine custom fits the plan for each patient, the coaching relationship is truly based on your needs. My work, as I describe a bit more in this podcast, really is based on helping people achieve goals based on their personality and behaviors in the past. With gentle nudging and encouragement and sometimes pushing people past their comfort zones a little bit to explore how they can shift behaviors in a way that brings optimal health. It's not about forcing someone to do something or telling you what to do. It's really about co-creating an achievable plan, step by step to get you to a place of balance and lifestyle choices that best supports your health and longevity. I work with functional medicine physicians around the country that refer clients to me or have me in their practice, as well as private clients who happen to find me through many avenues. Now that you understand functional medicine a little bit more, let's dive into how I got into the practice and a little bit more about my topic, which is stress and relationship with stress. Welcome to the Full Capacity Living Podcast. I'm Karen Bush, your host, and today is a solo cast. I thought I'd start out just telling a little bit about my background. I've put 11 podcasts out so far and um, getting some information just a little bit about my background and how I came to doing this might be interesting to people. Who knows, right? So, um, Many years ago, I got a master's degree in speech pathology and worked as a medical speech pathologist in rehab hospitals and acute care hospitals, 
starting out in New Orleans at Turo Rehab Hospital, um, also heading out to the West Coast and working in a few California hospitals, heading back to the East Coast as a traveling therapist, and eventually landing back in Cleveland at the Cleveland Clinic and working as a medical speech pathologist for uh, close to 10 years. So my background really starts, I think, in you know, really considering lifestyle as an important part of our health and well-being. When I, I worked in those centers and worked with people who had heart disease and strokes and many different things that um, lifestyle really contributed to. And back then in my late 20s, early 30s, I started to just think a little bit more about that because I was faced with it every day. And I also started to think about my genetic history. And at the time, my father had had his first heart attack at age 36. His brothers had heart disease, and I thought, boy, I did not win the genetic lottery. So it became a little bit more important for me to focus on healthy living and how my lifestyle could impact what might happen to me in the future. And I know that's not usual for people at that age to be really thinking that way, but but I just think it was the combination of my family history as well as what I saw every day with some of the patients that I worked with. Now, not everyone's uh, stroke or, or head injury or illness was due to lifestyle, but lifestyle has such a major contributing factor to it. And back then, we thought that genetics really had more of a, a play in what happened to us. But we now know that about 70% of what happens to us is really lifestyle and environment. And maybe about 30% is genetics. And some people might even say 20%. So we can make a huge impact on what actually happens to us by shifting around our lifestyle. And that's, that's what really drove me into integrative and functional medicine. I realized that you know, I, I needed to change some things and do some things differently and pay attention to that. But I also felt a bit of a disconnection after working many years as a, a speech pathologist in traditional healthcare. I felt a bit out of alignment from my personal beliefs and what I needed to do on a daily basis. I did a lot of swallowing therapy with patients, um, doing modified barium swallow studies, diagnosing swallowing issues, and working with people. Saw some progress, certainly, but, but more often I felt like, wow, you know, I'm looking at what, what I'm feeding people and what I'm, I'm, you know, forced to feed people in a hospital, and, and I, wouldn't, I wouldn't choose that. I wouldn't tell someone that that's a really good thing to do. And my hands were tied in terms of talking about nutrition or, um, you know, other lifestyle factors that people could do in some ways. You know, I couldn't do it to the extent that I wanted so when a friend of mine posted something about Duke University's Integrative Health Coach Training Program, I thought, whoa, how did I not know about this before? And, and this is the path I need to take. It really just was this evolution in learning so much in traditional healthcare and shifting into a place where I realized maybe I could make more of a difference to people and help out before people get to the place where they're really, really sick. And so I did that program at Duke University, which is a fantastic program if anyone's thinking about doing a health coaching program. Um, Duke is, is one of the pioneering programs in health coaching, and their integrative medicine department is fantastic. 
So the weather gods were with me, drove down there for a week in January, a week in March, and that was back in 2015, 2016, and completed that health coach training program and just felt like, wow, I had found my tribe. I didn't want to leave. I really felt so, so comforted and so um, energized by um, what we were learning and what the possibility was in being a health coach. And so moving past that, I came back to Cleveland, wasn't really sure how to get that started, but an opportunity opened up at the Cleveland Clinic for a health coach at functional medicine. Now at that point, I didn't know a ton about functional medicine, but it was really an opportunity I couldn't pass up. So again, you know, spending just short of two years at the Center for Functional Medicine at the Cleveland Clinic, I felt like I achieved another master's degree. It was really a phenomenal place to work. Very close contact with all the physicians there who um, are still very close friends right now. And I learned so much. We worked in pods. They'd come back and, and talk about things that were happening with their patients. And, and I just felt the synergy that, that was electrifying. Um, you know, so I, I knew I was in the right place. Um, fast forward to my private practice when I left there, um, that was not easy to start. And I admittedly had to go back to do a little bit of PRN speech therapy. But that also helped me to realize that's not where I need to be. And it was a motivator for me to kind of move forward. I now uh, work privately um, in my practice with about five or six physicians who I am either embedded into their membership practice or they refer clients to me. So I get to work one-on-one with all of my clients, which, you know, every day I'm grateful for it. I I just really feel like, um, you know, I get to connect with people. And the reason that I wanted to do this podcast was really to provide some of this information to people so that, you know, I mean, functional medicine is not necessarily covered by your insurance and it can be pricey. And I really feel like I wanted to just put information out there so that people could have something to refer to and resources and information to start shifting their own lifestyle around. And one of the predominant factors that I see in a lot of people that I work with is really understanding the role that stress plays in in our health overall. Um, I, I don't know that most people, I think people know that stress is is part of it, you know, certainly people understand that, you know, stress can cause some high blood pressure and heart disease, but there is so much more that stress can contribute to that I don't think most people understand. Um, and, and I also think that the, the place to dig into is really around your relationship to stress and how that's worked for you in your life. Um, you could do as much breathing, meditation, um, you know, ice cold baths, all those things that we can talk about that are tools to um, shifting the stress pattern in your body and giving you some relief. But until you really understand the relationship that stress has had on your body and in your life, then I don't know that we can really um, address all of the things that are part of it. And when I say the relationship that stress has in your life, um, it's really a, a question that only you can answer. And that's, that's really the first question that I would put out to people is, is what role has stress played in your life? So stress can play 
a positive role for many people. Um, you know, I, I think that people don't realize that they put themselves under stress or, or maybe they've um, just habituated to a certain high level of stress that's actually brought them some positive things in their life. And if that happens early on, you get connected to that level of stress and you feel like that's what you need to do to be who you are. And so the, the shifting around the stress response is very deeply embedded. And part of what I do with my clients in my practice is really to help them understand what's that underlying belief that you have about stress and how does it, it drive what you do and the successes that you've had in the past. And then start to shift and really, you know, I think acknowledge that some of those, um, those beliefs and that, that stress connection can bring you maybe a leadership role. Maybe, you know, you've, you've achieved some cr- level of creativity. You work hard. And those things are really positive things. Yet I think the other piece is to find balance. And when we talk about that balance and some of the tools to use in balance sometimes it becomes a challenge to really sit and do those things. I often hear people, and, and this could be a clue for you if you're listening and, and wondering if you have that connection. Sometimes people say, well, you know, I, I just can't sit. It just makes me antsy and I got I to gotta move. Um, or I get bored. I get bored with that kind of stuff. It just doesn't connect with me. And I think in the, init- in the initial part of it, Sure, that's okay. Do something that's a little bit more movement related when it comes to um, connecting with stress and and tapping into that autonomic nervous system and balancing out. Um, But I also think it's important to dig underneath that. Why is it uncomfortable to sit? I can tell you that this is um, something that, you know, and with all things on the podcast, I'm a work in progress as my This is why I do this stuff, because it fascinates me, but I also employ it in my own life and try to figure out, you know, what my connection is to stress and how that really evolved. But I can remember many years ago when I would have things I needed to do and I'd sit down and think, you know, I'm just going to sit down for a minute, sit down on the couch, maybe do something that's not maybe super productive and I'd get these butterflies in my stomach. And I literally thought to myself for a very long time, gee, I wonder what that is. Well, it's sort of anxiety. And I would have never thought that I had any kind of anxiety. Um, I was always a very laid back person. And people always say to me, you just seem so calm. And I think I learned that as a protective mechanism just to kind of get through certain things. And that doesn't mean that that's what's happening on the inside. And if you've done it for a long time, you may not even know that that's happening. So, so digging into the stress piece, I think, takes maybe asking some really good questions, um, figuring out where the connection is. That's why in functional medicine, we kind of go back to what happened to you as a kid, right? Where were stressors present in your life? How did you deal with them? Um, you know, people would always say, well, this is just how my family is. We all have, you know, high stress jobs or, or we're, you know, type A personalities. I love that one. Type A personality. Who decided that that was actually who you had to be and that it's inherent and genetically part of who you are? It, it can be a very learned behavior. And if you have parents or um, someone in your family that has that type A personality, quote unquote, 
um, that doesn't have to be who you really are. And if it gets you somewhere, that's okay. But if it's also contributing to some unhealthy behaviors in your life, that's something to check out, right? So think about what you've achieved as the result of going hard and not stopping. Honor that. But where is the place for a little bit of a pause and maybe some awareness around that? And when I started to pay attention to that, um, things started to shift, right? And I can also remember a time when I was working at the Cleveland Clinic, I created a course um, on mindfulness and meditation, just a beginning course to teach people about mindfulness and meditation. And I I had taught that a couple times a week and loved it. Um, had someone in that course at one point who, I'm not sure how we got talking about this, but I love to talk about rowing because I, I'm it's something I'm obsessed with. And I was speaking to her about rowing and she said to me, wait a minute, you, you row, row competitively and you also meditate? And <laughs> she thought, you know, if you meditate, that's just going to take you out of the game, right? You're just going to be like a wet noodle. You're not going to be, um, have any drive anymore. You're not going to have any goals, which the opposite is actually true. You know, within meditation and mindfulness and any contemplative awareness practice, it's more about really connecting to a deeper sense of purpose and presence and really connecting and being mindful and present in what you're doing. And truthfully, it can elevate whatever you're doing to an incredible higher level. So when we talked about that, it was it was kind of an eye-opening experience for that person, but I've also had other people say that to me. Um, so I think that when we stop and we get a little more silent and we start to pay attention to how we might create stress in our lives, we can start to have awareness around where can I just build in small little moments where I'm paying attention. And once you start to pay attention, you will start to shift because you'll see that there are some contributors. So cultivating time to pay attention. Do you want to pay attention? Sometimes it's easier just to stuff things down and not pay attention and just head down, go through the day. Um, but I'll tell you, it comes up to rear its ugly head. So there are some statistics that would say, you know, 90% of illness and disease is stress-related. And as I mentioned before, it's not just high blood pressure and heart disease. There is a very strong gut-brain connection. And how many of us could say, you know, where do you experience that level of stress in your body? Often I will ask my clients, so when you're getting stressed, what does your body feel like? Where do you feel it in your body? And sometimes people will say, well, you know, I start getting a headache or um, I notice that I have some tension in my shoulders or my jaw gets hard. Some people have um, temporal mandibular joint dysfunction, TMJ, because of it. Um, and some people will notice, you know, I have a tightness in my chest or I've got this, you know, grumbling in my gut right? I, I start to feel a little nauseous or I feel something going on in my gut. And we know that there is a super highway in gut-brain connection. So it, it goes both ways, right? From your brain, it goes down into your gut and kind of connects to um, the enteric nervous system. 
And the enteric nervous system also speaks to your brain. So we know that what's going on in your mind, whether you're aware of it or not, is deeply connected to your gut. So irritable bowel syndrome or, um, you know, ulcerative colitis, there are many connections that down the road turn into an illness that can be spearheaded by the stress response. And so taking time to really pay attention to that and notice where it is in your body is a really important piece of it. So another connection to my work as a speech pathologist, I had a client way back when, an older woman who lived for many years with an incredibly stressful relationship with her husband. He was emotionally and verbally abusive to her, um, you know, all through their marriage Um, And then he ended up with dementia and she ended up taking care of him. And the reason she came to see me was that neurology sent her to me because she had um, a language disorder called aphasia where she was unable to really, at the point that she saw me, she was really unable to put more than one or two words together. Um, She couldn't really put words down on paper. She couldn't write but she had no evidence of a stroke. She had no evidence of any neurological dysfunction that would connect to this this significant language disorder. And what they found was it was likely related to the stress that she experienced living with that abuse from her husband and then ultimately having to take care of him during his, his illness with dementia. So if that is not evidence in and of itself of that connection and how it can detrimentally affect our physical and emotional mental well-being, um, I don't know what is. So I would often get people from neuropsychology where the neuropsychologist would say, you know, we've done all this testing and they pass with flying colors, yet they're talking about, you know, I, I can't remember X, Y, or Z with my kids, I forgot to pick them up, or... I can't come up with words. I feel like I'm losing my memory at a, to a level where I'm really concerned I might have dementia coming on. And back then, you know, I kind of wish I knew more about the stress connection and what I would be able to do, what I do now as a functional medicine health coach would have been so incredibly helpful for these folks. But, you know, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing now and why I wanted to do this solo cast on stress and how to balance that out. So... So considering, you know, the connection between stress and physiology, when I started learning more about functional medicine, I thought, well, you know, I consider myself a pretty healthy person. I've, I've done a lot to take care of my lifestyle in terms of food and exercise. And, but, but what else was lurking in there that I didn't really know about? I had a pretty stressful childhood. Um, and, it, you know, I, I had to pay attention to that. And so I started looking a little bit deeper. Um, and that's where I think this piece of the work as a functional medicine health coach really connected for me. And which is why I, I really love to work with people to help them understand that connection. Um, it's, it's maybe become an area that, um, I don't know that I would say I have an expertise in, but it's something that I study all the time and try to employ in my own life. So oftentimes when I ask people, you know, so what do you do to manage stress? People will say, I exercise. You know, I feel really good when I get done exercising, and um, that's really my stress relief. And I get it. 
that's definitely a stress relief, but it also raises cortisol levels. And if there isn't a counterbalance to that, such as doing, you know, meditation, mindfulness, um, or any contemplative practice, it doesn't have to be a sitting meditation practice, then what you're doing is you're putting your body in fight or flight more often, which is that uh, sympathetic nervous system, which is part of the autonomic nervous system. The other side of it is the parasympathetic nervous system, what we also call rest and digest. And so if you're not balancing that out, then you might be putting yourself in more harm than you realize. Um, And most people will think, you know, if I'm feeling stressed, I'm going to go out and exercise. And I am not someone who would say don't exercise, right? But more often than not, I'm talking to people about balancing a little bit more, bringing that level of exercise down. Um, As a health coach, I know most people think, yeah, strap on your tennis shoes, go out and run a 5K, start training hard. That's really not what it's about. Um, I think I like to think of it as movement more than intense exercise. And I think there is a place for intense exercise. Don't get me wrong. Um, I do it, um, you know, rowing is my um, saving grace, but I can also slow it down a little bit and have a mindful row. Um, You can also do that with running. You can do that with walking. You can do that with so many different things. Um, So I think if people have an interest in figuring out, well, what could be the correlate here? How could I find a contemplative practice that might be helpful for me? Um, Start with just mindful walking, right? Stop listening to podcasts. Oh, did I say that out loud? Because you're listening to mine now. Maybe you're actually um, taking a nice walk and this is helpful for you. But every once in a while, maybe once or twice a week, if you walk or run, try it without your headphones. Try a mindful walk where you're paying attention to all your senses and listening to the birds, listening to the squirrels running around, um, just paying attention to the sounds that you hear. If you're in an urban setting, you might hear things and notice things that you never noticed before. And this is part of cultivating that awareness and that presence. So there's, there's ways to do this where you're not necessarily... Um, slowing down so much that you feel uncomfortable, but you're working towards it. Um, I've helped many of my clients move from feeling like they couldn't sit, couldn't pay attention, couldn't sit and do a breath work to a point where, you know, I have one client who's now on, you know, a thousand plus days of meditation when in the beginning she said, you know, I don't, I can't just sit and breathe. That, that, you know, kind of makes me nuts, but she's really delved into it deeply and that has worked well for her. So I would say, how does it impact you during the day, right? So if you start to feel yourself ramping up and you get that, you know, we talked about that physical feeling of what stress can manifest in your body, start to pay attention to that and then back it up a little bit more, right? So if you notice that, what do you notice that happened right before that? And what do you notice that happened right before that? Is there another clue that could help you pay attention to what that level of stress is doing in your body and how you can address that a little bit sooner. And that doesn't mean you've got to like leave that stressful situation and go, you know, lock yourself in a room and just do a meditation or breath exercise. You can actually do some things right in the moment. So there are breath exercises that you can do that even if you're in a meeting, 
even face-to-face. I mean, now we have so many more Zoom meetings. Even if you're face-to-face in a meeting, you could do a four, seven, eight breath where no one would really know what you're doing. And what that is, is breathing in for four seconds, holding it for seven seconds, and breathing out for eight seconds. The extended exhale versus the inhale is really the place where you start to engage that parasympathetic nervous system through the movement of your diaphragm, and you start to get into that relaxation space where you're letting go of a little bit of the tension and you're balancing out that autonomic nervous system. And I can tell you it definitely works. Um, I don't want to give you another rowing story because people will probably be tired of that, but Um, The other breath exercises that you can do, one of them is called box breathing, and that's breathing in for a count of four, holding it for a count of four, breathing out for a count of four, and holding on the exhale for a count of four. So all of those exercises help to slow you down, engage, again, the parasympathetic nervous system versus the sympathetic, which is the stress one, and really kind of back that up and give you a chance. And you can do this for a minute, two minutes, three minutes. A small little portion in your day can really make a difference to getting to the end of the day and not feeling like you've stacked up all that stress and then you end up doing something like stress eating or having a glass of wine, which you know I think we can talk about in another solo cast about the effects of that and how that impacts your, um, your healthy lifestyle. So the other piece of what I like to talk about with people is self-talk. So once you start slowing yourself down, creating that awareness, creating that space between the trigger and your response, that white space that allows you to pay attention to what's happening, you can then start to pay attention to what that self-talk is. And self-talk is really powerful. We all have it. Our brains are talking to us all the time. And we are essentially evolutionary-wise hardwired for negativity. And so a lot of that self-talk becomes negative self-talk. And half of that stuff, I'll tell you what, we're not even paying attention to it. But we're not paying attention to it on a, a, a conscious level. But on a subconscious level, it's telling our bodies lots of things that are not necessarily helpful. So if you start to pay attention to that self-talk, what you're saying to yourself, what's the content, who could that person have been that planted that in your mind? Because honestly, it's really not legit. You know, it's, it's something that you picked up along the way. It's some underlying belief about yourself and your place in the world and what your abilities are that likely is not accurate. So paying attention to that self-talk can be really powerful in terms of shifting it. So again, that, that first layer is awareness. And creating the space and time to have that awareness allows you to see, well, what am I talking myself into that maybe isn't really true? Um, there's a course by Pima Chodron, who is a Buddhist nun who's fantastic, And this course is kind of old. I I took it a long time ago, but often refer to it. It's called Choosing a Fresh Alternative. Um, And it helps you to really start to shift your perspective, um, pay attention to what you're saying, how you're responding to other people. 
I remember when I first did it and I just kept listening to it over and over again, trying to kind of reconcile a few relationships that I had that I felt like, gosh, I feel a little negative energy here and I'm not sure why and, and really wanted to kind of figure out how I could move past that. And I'll tell you when it's really powerful to really think about responding differently to something that you've always been um, confronted with that maybe you had a habitual response to. So I'm talking about something like maybe you have a friend that gossips a lot and talks about people, you don't feel comfortable around it, yet you've always kind of been there with it and you you participate in it, but there's something deeper inside that says, you know, I really don't want to do this. I don't want to be part of that. That's not how I want to come to um, my relationships with people. When you can stop and create that space, as we talked about, and start to shift and maybe turn your response around, I've seen it stop people in their tracks where you don't give in to that conversation you actually shift it around and maybe think about something a little more positive to say. And I'll tell you, it's it's really, really powerful. So, so kind of thinking about how could you, what are some tools that you could use to start shifting that conversation you might be having in your head and wherever you want it to go, whether it's about your abilities, something, a goal that you want to achieve, um, you know, whether you're shifting, let, let's take, for example, healthy eating, right? If you've always been surrounded by people who are eating burgers and fries and um, you know unhealthy things often, maybe drinking too much, and you start to shift, that's a really hard thing to do if the people that you've hung around with are not doing the same thing. And they may start to you know, make you feel a little uncomfortable about it. Or maybe they're not even making you feel uncomfortable about it. It's, it's actually your own voice inside your head saying, who do I think I am that I could do this and change and be different than everybody that I'm around? It can be that kind of stuff, right? Whether it's that you're starting to exercise, maybe you're starting to change some of your eating habits or starting a meditation practice, which frankly, you don't have to share with anyone if you don't want to. But that self-talk can really talk you out of doing some of those healthy behaviors. So here's a couple ways to cultivate some awareness in your everyday life. Um, Think about turning off music, turning off the television. If those things are distracting you during the day and you're always filling yourself with, with distractions and so you don't have to pay attention to what your mind is saying or thinking, start to shift those things and start to create some quiet in your life. Maybe even start with just one minute of quiet or 30 seconds if that's too much, right? Put the book down if you're reading something while you're eating. um, Start to listen to others and start to listen to your own self-talk in your mind. Um, Most of us think that we're listening when maybe we're not. Um, So in a conversation, if you're already planning what it is you want to say in response to somebody that you're talking to, that's not really listening. So one of the things that I cultivated as a speech pathologist, but then even much more deeply as a health coach, um, was the power of listening and paying attention and sort of reiterating what people um, say to you as a way of understanding it better, but also helping them understand that I was actually listening to you. I wasn't planning my response. I was really listening to what you're saying and connecting to it. 
So even tallying up your negative versus positive thoughts. Um, if people, if there's people out there who like to actually, you know, track things and write things down, um, this might be a good way for you to start to see how much negative versus positive thoughts you actually have. Um, and even noticing when you have frenetic, busy few hours and you force yourself to sit for one minute, are those butterflies going to come up like they did for me? Well, sit in that, sit in that uncomfortable feeling because that's how you start to be a little more comfortable doing that. As I said, walking without earbuds or headphones or, or running or exercising without that, um, and noticing that restlessness or boredom and sit with that instead of busying yourself. If you're bored, what is it? Boredom really isn't true. Like, like we have so many things to do in our lives. We can easily distract ourselves and it's not productive all the time, right? I do it too. Um, but stop and think about, is that boredom really boredom or am I afraid to just really be quiet with myself? Notice what thoughts go on in your head about what you'll miss out on if you don't do X, Y, and Z. I remember the first time that I, you know, actually decided not to go to a party when I was actually on my way, had an appetizer in the car driving and just had this overwhelming sense that I just wanted to stay home. It, my husband was gone you know, hang out with the dog. I actually turned my car around, went back home and stayed home. And that was so uncharacteristic of me. There was nothing wrong with me. I just felt like, you know what? Pay attention to that intuitive nature. If that's what your your mind and your body are saying, and it's not because you're afraid of something or there's something that you don't want to confront, but it's really that you're feeling like, you know, I need some of this time alone. Maybe that's what you need to do, right? Think about, you know, what would you miss out on or what would you gain if you did or didn't do X, Y, or Z? And how is your identity tied to accomplishing whatever it is that you want to accomplish? Who would you be if you let some of that go? That's some of the deeper stuff that I dig into with some of my clients. Having your identity tied to being and doing all the time, I understand it. I have been there and I'm still there now, right? So really getting authentic about what you want to have in your life can lower a lot of that internal stress and help you to understand how that might be contributing to whatever health issue that you might be experiencing. And believe you me, a lot of the stuff that people experience is very much tied to the way your gut and your brain and your body interact. So whether you believe it or not, try it. See if some of this stuff might be helpful for you. If you're experiencing certain symptoms around something, it might just be that you need to let go a little bit and create some quiet space for yourself. So I really want to um, provide some information to people that is actionable Hopefully you found some things in this little solo cast that are actionable. Um, maybe you have some questions. You can certainly reach out to me. My website is karenbush.com. I'm also on Instagram under karenbushihc. The IHC is integrative health coach from my Duke days. I am on Twitter. 
I also have a Facebook page, Karen Bush Functional Medicine Health Coaching. And if any of this resonates with you and you want to kind of chat a little bit more about what might be helpful for you or how to dig into some of this stuff, I am incredibly happy to talk to you. I always do a 30-minute complimentary discovery call just to talk to people a little bit about what's happening for them. I work privately with people as well as with physicians. Um, So if that's something that's interesting to you, reach out. Ask me a question. I'm happy to talk to you. Um, I think my next solo cast, when I decide to do that, will be more um, dialed into meditation and mindfulness and maybe how to start a practice because that, I think, is interesting to a lot of people and maybe after listening to this one, you might be interested in doing that as well. And it's really um, a very special interest of mine to help people cultivate a practice like that and to see the power that it brings to your everyday life. So with that, I appreciate you listening and sticking through to the end. And I will see you in a couple of weeks with another podcast of Full Capacity Living. Thanks. Thanks.